you chose to be back with me today. We're talking about how to deal with doubt, how to have victory over doubt. And you see, our understanding of God sometimes causes us to doubt because we can't figure out things. We can't understand what's really going on. And the very doubts in which we are presently struggling may be rooted in our incomplete understanding. I think John sensed that, and instead of insisting that his doubts were final and justified, he sent some disciples to find out the truth. If you can imagine you're a travel, traveler in medieval England, and you decided to travel to Oxford from a nearby village, and darkness comes as you're near Oxford so that you cannot see the landscape, you decide to keep going along the road in spite of the darkness, and all you can see is the road directly ahead of you, which now has been assigned posted to Oxford. At times, there are things about the road that puzzle you, and you wonder, am I really on the right road? Is this really the road to Oxford? I can't really tell for sure. It's too dark. But you see, it doesn't matter. It is the right road, and you are on it, and the sign tells you so. But when the dawn breaks, you see that you really are where you thought you were. But And you might also see that the road swerves to the left, and you would never have known that if it hadn't, if the dawn hadn't broken and the light of the sun hadn't come up because there's, you would have walked off right off a of mountainside. And that's the way it is in life. A lot of times we just can't see around the curves. We can't figure out what's going on. We can't, we can't resolve in our own minds what, what really life and God are up to. So we have to just trust him. So let's examine, examine a little bit about the difficulty of doubt, the things that are a problem that it brings to us. It disturbs us and it confuses us. Uh, now, doubt can lead us to greater faith and more certainty if we deal with it correctly, but if we don't, it disturbs us, it eats at us, and it confuses us. James says doubting keeps us from believing God will answer our prayers. It causes us to be driven and tossed like the wave of the sea. We become the victims of every whim of our lives and every emotional thing that comes into our lives and every thought we have. And it also causes us to be hesitant and indecisive. After his resurrection, Jesus appeared on the mountain with his disciples. And Matthew describes the scene. The Bible says, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, that may be hard for us to understand. They knew Jesus had been crucified. They, they saw him. Many of them saw him on the cross. And now he's alive, and some are doubting. And that doesn't seem like the thing that would be happening. But that just tells you that oftentimes we can't, our minds cannot put it all together. They were frightened. They were shocked. The word used here in the Greek has the sense of to hold back or to hesitate. They were hesitant. They were indecisive. You see, the same word and the same idea may be found earlier in Matthew's gospel. In Matthew 14, 31, in the description of the storm at sea, Peter's lack of faith is shown in his hesitation to put his trust in Jesus. Hesitation betrays a lack of trust. If you hesitate to accept an offer, it's because you have misgivings about it. You may not trust a person who's making the offer. You may not understand what it implies. You suspect there may be something wrong with it. You may not understand other things about it. And so that's the same way with God. We hold back. We're just not quite sure. We can't quite figure it all out. Also, our end decision is a result of doubt. And as we have these doubts, we, we waver. And the Bible says that Abraham, this is in Romans 4.20, trusted God's promises and did not waver through unbelief. And the Greek word here about waver really means 
had this sense of argue with or to be at odds with or to take issue with. Uh, this older meaning has the idea that God didn't, that Abraham didn't argue with God about what God told him. God told him he was going to be a father and he was going to have a son who would be the heir of promise and he was too old to have kids and his wife was too old to have kids, but he believed the promise of God. So he didn't argue with God. He wasn't at odds with God about it. He didn't take issue with God about it. And sometimes we, we because of doubt, argue with ourselves, and we have an internal mental debate with our what we're trying to figure out. James says that we can be double-minded. He says that double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, James 4, 8. To doubt is to be two minds about something. It implies indecision, hesitation, and a resulting lack of progress. There's an old story about a dog that was terribly hungry and was placed between two piles of food. If the dog was going to survive and satisfy his terrible hunger, he was going to have to choose one of the plates of food. He couldn't eat them both at the same time. And, of course, he was trying to protect both of them because he wanted to have both of them. So what happens if he can't make up his mind which one to eat? Well, the unfortunate dog uh, will refuse to eat and... They'll still be hungry, and that's the way doubt is. If we just stand there in the middle of our doubt and refuse to, to really dig deep into finds there and step out to believe God, it'll never happen that we get over it. It also makes us spiritually sick. James says when we doubt, we're like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Now, that's a very powerful image, especially for anyone who's ever been really seasick. It's a picture of a lack of stability, and to see along with anything that happens that we are floating around just being tossed here and being tossed there. You lose your bearings. Life becomes miserable. That's what doubting does. Let's look at the answer to our doubts. How can we overcome them? There has to be an admission of doubt. See, John started with that. John the Baptist knew that he had some questions. He wasn't sure. He was doubting. But he sent his friends to find the answers from Jesus. And he had... Thomas admitted his doubts about the resurrection, but he didn't say that it was impossible. He just said he wouldn't believe until he had sufficient proof. There must be also a confession of doubt to Jesus. John sent messengers to ask for his answers. Are you the one we're looking for? Jesus didn't rebuke John. He didn't reject John's questions. There were no harsh words for him. Jesus was pleased that he'd brought his doubts to him. Doubts can be really helpful in helping us grow. If we bring them to Jesus, if we don't bring them to Jesus, they will destroy us. There must be also a submission to Jesus and his word. We must be willing not only to tell Jesus about our doubts, but to bring our doubts and ourselves to him. And Jesus said that's the answer to the things that we want. Jesus told, told the men to go back and tell John that the blind see and the, the deaf hear and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the dead are raised and the gospels preached. And John would understand that what Jesus was doing was pointing this doubting believer to other passages in Isaiah, each of which had been predictions of what the coming Messiah would be like. That is what he will do with us. He, he didn't give John a new set of circumstances, but he gave him more light to understand the circumstances. You and I will receive light from Christ if we bring our doubts to him through his word. Blessed is he, Jesus said, who keeps from stumbling over me. That was a promise, happy, contented, blessed, satisfied, to be congratulated, is the person who doesn't stumble over Jesus but trusts in him. And Jesus was saying, John, if you can, I cannot understand my method, I ask you just to trust me. 
And that is the ultimate part of how we overcome our doubts. We just trust him. We put our faith in him. God bless you. I hope if you have doubts today, you'll just do that because that's the answer. God bless you. Have a great day.